Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for 19 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself absolutely free. It's a PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you do that. If you're on the show live, you can give us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on the phone. 
If you're listening through the archives, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. And or you can email Jeannie Rice at j-e-a-n-i-e at whyagain.org. That's w-h-y-a-g-a-i-n.org. And if you do that, we'll address your comment or question on the air, and then as time allows send you a notification about what day and time that happened and you can listen back to the archives for the uh, feedback and the archives are just another of the many wonderful resources that are made available when Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice pay all the money and take all the time to keep all of this stuff up and running and there are um, over 12 and a half years of shows the first eight years were one hour a day, five days a week, and the last four and a half have been two hours a day, five days a week. And with very few exceptions, they're all available. Uh, there have been some technical glitches from time to time that either prevent the show from happening or have corrupted the recording, so they're not available, but almost all of them are there. So... We would appreciate any comments, any feedback, any discussion that you might want to promote, questions you have about the use of these tools, updates about how the uh, effectiveness is unfolding as you try to apply these tools in your life, if if you're one of those who is actively using the tools, and... um, and feedback about what we've done so far and some some of the thoughts we've had about perhaps returning to the way of mastery uh, and rereading it with commentary. Um, my experience with that book has been it is one of the few books that, as I've read it, it's called me to go back and read it many times over and to go back and reread sections of it when I'm thinking about it or when it's resonated into awareness because of some other book I'm reading or some other work I'm doing with a a patient or a friend. And um, the essence of that book, uh, to my eye and ear, is that without exaggeration, this energy that we call creation, that we call life, that we call love, is our true nature and we can actively promote our awareness of that all day every day to great advantage in our lives and uh, the way of mastery and the course in miracles are just two of the resources that suggest that we do that on a regular basis I I also shared yesterday, and I've gotten some rather, um, I'll say, uh, terse, sometimes um, disruptive comments. I shared yesterday about Joseph Campbell writing that uh, Nietzsche's advice to just choose to say to yourself, I love I like, I'm excited about whatever happens in my life. Even if in that moment it seems pain-inducing or 
bad or wrong, and to see it as a challenge, just to put that filter on my view of my life events. This is a challenge. If it's happening, I like the way Byron Katie talks about it. She says, um, everything that's already happened is absolutely perfect. How can I know that? Because it's already happened. Because there's no going back and changing it. And making progress and moving forward in my life is dependent upon acknowledging the truth of what is. And if something has already occurred in my life, and I try to pretend that it was bad or wrong or it shouldn't have happened, or I'm not moving forward, I'm not acknowledging the truth of my life, and I'm going to keep myself stuck one way or another. I'm going to prevent forward motion. I'm going to prevent myself from being able to get full access to my intelligence, my experience, my resources, and um, find ways to actively apply that in my life. When I when I think that whatever happened in the past is bad or wrong, or I think that I'm not going to be able to be happy until this or that or the other thing happens. Guy Finley just posted something today about um, his um, his offering about the true meaning of the word evil. Waiting for anything to happen in the future for me to be happy is evil in that definition. Because as Krishnamurti would point out, it's a rejection of, it's a violent, mentally, emotionally violent rejection of the truth of what is. And it is suspending or failing to use my own mental capacities in that moment to choose for love, to choose for joy, to choose for contentment, to choose for life and expansion in the moment. When I choose negativity at any level, when I choose to judge at any level, this is what it talks about in Bruce Lipton's cellular biology work, and it's what talks, gets talked about in the Way of Mastery, if you understood, this is what Way of Mastery says, if you understood what happens when you judge anything at any time, for good or bad or otherwise, if you understood what happens when you judge and how the very cells in your body fail to function properly, you would never judge again. That's just right out of the Way of Mastery, and it's almost a... It's very close to a verbatim statement about the work of Bruce Lipton. And it's essentially what Guy Finley is driving at. From I know that he has also spent a lot of time uh, working with the writings of Krishnamurti and understanding that if I'm going to say this or that or the other thing is bad or wrong, I am going to be doing a violent, a mentally, emotionally violent act to the flow of life in that moment. I cannot help myself or anyone else if I'm in the middle of denying the truth of what is. I can only begin to work with what is and use whatever creative abilities I have, whatever 
power there might be in my own ability to choose for love in this moment, or as the way of mastery says, to teach only love in this moment, I suspend that or delay any ability to use that whenever I judge. So, rather than say, whatever's happening, this is horrible, this is bad, this is upsetting, this shouldn't be, if I just choose the filter that says, okay, okay, this is what's happening. How do I deal with it the best, you know, in this moment? Way of Mastery gives a whole series of different examples of this. It says, you know, when you, when you buy the car and it breaks down, instead of judging that this is bad or wrong, that the car broke down, sit there, enjoy the sunset. You're not going anywhere anyway. You actually have the capability. You may not have practiced it well. You may not have been raised by people that trained you in this capability, but you do have the capability in any given moment to say whatever's happening is okay, and you're going to make the best of it. You're going to choose for love in this moment. You're going to breathe and soften. You're going to ask how you can be shown by some force other than your conscious logical mind because your conscious logical mind is busy telling you this is horrible, this is bad, this should never happen to anybody, I paid too much for this car to have it break down on me, etc. And what you will do in that moment is create frustration. You will create upset. You will create tension. And when you think about it from the perspective of five years from now, how big an impact is it going to have on your life five years from now that this car that you bought broke down and your afternoon or your evening or your day was disrupted? Almost none. And then you think about it from another perspective. Get a picture of our galaxy and find one where it has the arrow that points to where our planet is around our sun. Because when you see a picture of our galaxy, you will not be able to see our planet. You might not even be able to see our sun because it's so immense. And so here we are floating through space, X number of thousand miles an hour on a little planet around a relatively plain sun, and we're going to get all bent out of shape. We're going to create pain and suffering, mental, emotional turmoil over there's pulp in my orange juice or over I spent all this money on this car and now it's not running. Rather than saying, okay, I still have the breath of life in me. I still have good legs I can walk. I still have the ability to enjoy nature. I'm out here wherever I am. Maybe I can see the sunrise or the sunset. Or I have no idea how this series of events might lead me to meet somebody today, either as I'm trying to get to my destination and some stranger helps me, or I'm trying to get my car repaired, that I might be a blessing to them and or they might be a blessing to me in ways that I never even imagined. That's a choice, even if we haven't been taught it by our family and friends and mentors. That's a choice for each and every one of us all day, every day. And that's part of the main message of a book like The Way of Mastery. And I would offer it's very similar to the message, if not identical to the message in A Course in Miracles. And that's why Diedrich Wolzak has chosen to create his 
foundation and call it the Choose Again Foundation. His work was almost completely based on just reading and rereading and studying in depth The Course in Miracles. And it talks about how a miracle is simply a choice to choose for love rather than fear. It's all about how you're going to choose to use your mind energy. Do you choose to get upset? And if you're like most of us, you've been programmed to get upset whenever the world doesn't show up the way you think it should. And it's okay. There's no blame involved here. There's just recognition that, you know what, there might be a better way. So our call-in number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, you can join the conversation. You can ask a question. You can put in a vote for whether or not you would like to go back through the way of mastery, either now or in the near future, or whether you would like to offer some other book of wisdom, spiritual teaching, practical knowledge about spirituality and us finding ways to improve our experience of life as as we remain in the body. We're always welcoming those suggestions. I'm... uh, I will still take suggestions about, you know, who you might think I who you think I might benefit from interviewing, although I have put a little bit of a pause on that because of the uh, recovery from surgery, etc. And um there's the Journey's Dream resource where there are 140 some interviews available from people that are are working to spread the word that there's a lot more you can do about a mental health challenge than just get yourself an ugly label and load up on medications and or beat up on yourself as though it's some um, proof or evidence that you're doing something wrong. It's just there's a world of ways to view mental health challenges as growth opportunities. And there are wonderful people doing wonderful work um, that either stands side by side with or outside of the traditional allopathic medical approach, which has uh, found itself rather securely stuck in diagnosing and medicating conditions. Area code 610, you're in the air. Hi, Dr. Kim, it's Sue, as usual. Welcome. Um, welcome. Welcome to you, too. How's, how's your knee doing, by the way? Well, I'm getting... I told somebody the other day that if they gave out gold stickers at physical therapy, I'd have enough to cover my significantly large forehead. So I keep raving about my my range of motion and my flexibility for, quote, for my age, et cetera. And then one of them said, well, basically for any age. So That's great. So I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Good. It It is a process. There is still plenty of discomfort to be, you know, moved through and to push the limits so that it doesn't kind of get locked in in a shorter range of motion. And there are muscles that clearly for quite a while prior to the surgery I was not using in that left leg because I was favoring it. And so mm-hmm. I need to, you know, correct those thought processes and uh, or the automatic 
brain functioning and uh, and right. the physical conditioning. But that's ha- that's going far better than many had imagined. So. Oh, that's good. Congratulations. <clears throat> well, and how are you? I listen. I'm doing well, thank you. Very well. Um, partly because of just confluences of things coming together. I have so many different thoughts, but you said, do we put in a vote for way of mastery or something else? I did put in, as several did, the way of mastery. But on the other hand, I just listened to <clears throat> almost all of the Journey's Dream uh, interview you did with Diederik Walsh. I, I had listened before a long time ago, well, a year ago maybe, and also a longer, like a two-hour um, interview, with, which I haven't finished either, with um, it's Buddha at the pump. I forget the, the man's name who does the interviewing, but Diedrich was on that too. And one question I had for you is, Diedrich, in one of those, it might have been the Buddha at the pump, said... Um, that he had been bipolar or borderline and that he had worked with a schizophrenic who became healthy. In the medical model, they don't say that. They say once you've got that, you've got that, and it's a life sentence and you have to be medicated and maybe institutionalized and you're, you've got a big troublesome life ahead. And he... Not only did he say that he healed from that, but also lung cancer, and he just popped that one out and went right on. I have this, you know, they warn us, codependent relationships, I have this huge urge to forward those two interviews to my grandson, Jacob, who has self-diagnosed as on the spectrum for autism and having ADHD. And I've wondered whether he is giving himself those labels in order to not require himself to reach a kind of comfort in living in the world with other people or getting a job and supporting himself. He talks about how he can't support himself. There's no way he could support himself. And, of course, the way things are with wages, and there are lots of reasons why a person his age would be saying that. But he adds his own <clears throat> self-description. Okay, but there, there, there's also, you know, at, at the same time that a person his age might say that, abundantly obvious that not everybody his age says that or lives as though that's the truth. Yeah. Many, many people his age are living, surviving, thriving. Mm-hmm. So so let's let's move to what what your question is for me in this. Okay. Well one thing is, you said to Diederich that you have used his book, read his book over and over, and I wonder if you'd consider doing that book on the radio show. <clears throat> That's one thing I wanted to say. The other thing is, it occurred to me 
a really wonderful revelation that it's a tremendous relief not to have to get upset about something. I know that sounds weird. But I think I have to fix things that come in front of my gaze and that don't match. And it's a burden to have to fix something. It would be like Michael downstairs. It, it, I've been thinking about how I don't have to do anything about him. I don't have to do anything. Very hard to relinquish wanting to do something. I talk to Tim Bingham all the time. How are you so relaxed about this? And he says, it just isn't on my radar. I'm just not that concerned. Uh, what's happening is what's happening. And he, he seems like a guy in an enlightened state. Like, How do you do that? But he says, it's just my nature. I'm just not concerned. He's here and he's doing what he's doing and he's not doing what he's not doing. And that's the way it is. And he doesn't seem to fuss about the future or anything. So I don't have, I guess I don't have a question for you. I just have observations at the moment. So I could. Well, um, so I, the, 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 the one thing you said that I, I want to suggest that you correct in your thinking and speaking is you said it's a burden to have to fix things. Yeah, right? I feel that, that, that was how that was yeah. that was how you said it, right? It's a burden to have okay. to fix things. I would just suggest that you start clearing that up and okay. state it more accurately and state it's a burden to think I have to fix things. Totally. Yep, that's a good correction. Because because the thing is you don't have to fix you can't fix the vast majority of things that you spend your mental energy worrying about. Mm. And as so many have said, worrying about something doesn't make anything better. It just ruins the moment for you. It doesn't yep. change doesn't. any outcome to worry about something. It just makes it 100% certain that you're not going to enjoy this moment. Right. Good. Which rolls right into that that thing I was, you know, mentioning from the way of mastery where it says so you buy this car and you're driving around for a day or two or a week or two and then it breaks down why get upset there you are whatever the weather is the weather is whatever the day of time it is you're there you're healthy you could enjoy your life in that moment if you chose to say okay what's mine to do well i might as well sit here and enjoy the sunset because i'm not going anywhere anyway Mm-hmm. or someone will come by when they come by, or et cetera. It's a choice mm-hmm. that we are not told we have by most people mm-hmm. in this culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I... So to clear it up and to say, it's such a burden for me to think I have to fix things, now you're literally programming your mind more accurately to the fact that you don't have to fix things. You're just stuck thinking that you do. Oh, there's yeah. a thought. I can change a thought. <laughs> it may be a habit of thought. It may come back time and again, and I may have to change it. I remember years ago, uh, Dr. Rice was talking to uh, Rex Montague Bauer, who used to call the show a lot, and they'd been through some intense times together and 
uh, I think they were sitting around in a hot tub or something, and Rex asked him, so Michael, you talk about you know resetting these filters, Rachma and Kuba, the filter in your mind over intention and the filter in your mind over perception. And uh, mm. he said, I've tried that, but you know, like, man, it's just really hard. How often do you have to do that? And Michael said, oh, sometimes 30, 40 times a minute. <laughs> All right. Well, that's very, very, oh, that's, it's good to hear that. And I liked Diedrich Wozak, who also said, even now, those early issues might pop up and I'll have to do some work. In fact, I'm right in the middle of something right now. So he doesn't say he has arrived and then we can all feel inferior and put him on a pedestal. No one, no one has arrived. No one has arrived <laughs> as though right. it's a done deal. Yeah. You know? Well, anyway, I don't have any organized things to ask or say. So you can put me on mute and carry on. All right. Well, you know, um, I want to thank you for the recommendation of the Diedrich Wolzak book. I... um, I'm going to have to look into that. It's been so long now, and I've had so many other interviews. I've probably had 133 or 42 other interviews. And yeah. right now, I'm I'm going to have to check, did I get that on Kindle? Did I have that? Um, you know, in a hard I copy. Him, I think you told him you had it on Kindle and a hard copy, and that it was all marked up. But maybe Kindle, you can highlight things on Kindle, too, so maybe you didn't keep, who knows. Anyway, just a thought. One reason I asked, yeah, too, is I his, went to those. His book is titled Choose Again, isn't it? I think so. I don't have it. I've never read it. And he has this website, Choose Choose Again. I, oh, there's a dash yeah. in there somewhere. And I get his daily or occasional daily reflection, and they're fantastic, and they're usually right exactly what I need to hear and probably a lot of other people, too. I'm going to even use it. I always send my Mind Shifter group for chaplains on Wednesdays going up. Well, and the other thing is, the other thing is that, um, do you remember me interviewing um, Sandy Wilder? No. Yeah, there's a, a, more, a, much, a much more recent interview, and uh, uh-huh. he sends out um, these daily thoughts. He does the. Um, he sits down and writes like every night. Mhm. And I'm trying to find one here. Um, and you can just subscribe and get them. And they're just uh-huh. lovely little reminders of the big picture that we're all, so if we're on any kind of spiritual path, that we're all supposedly um, working towards. The Educare yeah. Unlearning Insight. Oh, I do remember that. Now that you mentioned that, I remember that and I did hear that interview. Yeah. This is... Uh, this is one of the shorter ones, the most recent one. 
only one, and he usually has a picture of some kind of a, an outdoor scene. This is a picture of a a young buck deer. Mm. And then it reads, perhaps there is just one infinite, all-inclusive being. Perhaps there is nothing going on that is or can ever be other than this being expanding and maintaining herself. And perhaps we are the way this being is gently observing and governing herself. In this I trust. In this I trust. Some are a little bit longer. Some are short and pithy, just like that. And you can go to the uh, educareunlearning.com or it's the educare, E-D-U-C-A-R-E, Unlearning Institute. Mm-hmm. And you can just say, hey, put me on your mailing list, and you'll get these. In, or, or you can go to unlearninginsights.com. Okay. Okay. And that will... That that'll that'll take you there, and you can just sign up to get the Educare Unlearning Moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I did find that I have uh, the Choose Again book on my Kindle, so I will um, strongly consider this uh, suggestion of yours. Okay. And I'll probably reread the book. And as I start rereading it, if I remember, oh, yeah, this would be great, then then that's maybe where we'll go just to avoid uh, simple uh, repetition. Um, uh, is it all right with you if I turn on another caller? I mean, turn on the microphone for another caller? This is not a sexual thing. Uh, here we go. Here we go. 314. Hello there, Dr. Tim. Okay. Welcome, Doug. Your Good microphone morning. is turned hey. on. We don't know about you, but your microphone is on. All right. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> What's got into you, Dr. I, Tim? What's going on? <laughs> um, let, me, let me here first just type that educari in again. I tried once, and I, I was trying to type it in as you were spelling it, and then I... It didn't work, so I didn't do it right, obviously. Um, okay, so the idea is so the idea is you can search for the educare E D U C A R E. And then the second word is unlearning. And then the third word is institute. You can search for that and find the website. If you want to just sign up for these little blurbs you can um, go to unlearninginsights.com. Unlearning Insights. Okay. All right. I I found it. Great. Okay. Uh, wonderful. So so I just was so it just felt so powerful and true for me what you were saying at the beginning of the call about you know and, and everything's layers but 
but for me this morning about how you're blocking the flow of life and when you're resisting anything because you say it's not not the way it should be and 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 opening to it when you accept whatever is in with open more open way and i i wanted to just I just wanted to get in and sort of talk a little about that or move that through in me some more because because I'm I've been having all, even though what I have is so small compared to what some people have these headaches and muscle weaknesses and things getting better and then it gets worse and it gets better and it gets worse and I'm in the worst worst cycle lately and I feel like I can clearly see now so much better what you told me early on about that I I have a lot of fear that I that when you said that the first time I was like what is this guy talking about and now it's just so obvious to me and I'm thinking in connection with this that not accepting the way things are is what basically adds to that fear or even is the root of it like this has to be different or it can't be like that or what if this happens a lot of that what if what's going to happen you know and just to speak a little and maybe get on here and do this I thought might help deepen that for me and that's or even hear a few more words about it because I can just feel the power of that if I could just open my being things and that doesn't mean I can't try and change anything or improve anything or shift anything in a positive direction, but it's it's a whole different way of managing life and energy in my body, and I think that's what I wanted to say, is just acknowledge that that was awesome and open to a little discussion about it, because it seems easy with little things, but harder with you know, bigger things. Well, I think you're right on it, right? And and it's easier in some ways and harder in others, but I think it's easier in some ways and harder in others mostly because we haven't practiced it. And we and far to, you know to the in the opposite direction, we've been conditioned and we've been practicing the negativity and the thought that we should be able to change things or that things should be another way. Right? I mean, that's, yes. you know, uh, like, how, how many times in the day do we think this shouldn't be happening? Constantly, for me. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like the predominant experience of life. It's like so many of the most important things feel like they're in that category. Like, it, this should be different. I should be different. That should be different. If only this happened. You know, if, if I could be, you know, I feel better. I don't have this headache. I, I'm... I'm more successful, you know, my relationships work out the way I want them to, et cetera, et cetera. And I can just, that's why this is so powerful for me. I just see so much resistance to, and I think you actually said, this is like the universe working itself out perfectly or it's how things are supposed to be or in this moment it's a dance of life that's bigger than me. It reminds me of the paradox statement you often say. It's like if I think it's not doesn't make sense is because I don't have a big enough picture, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the clear evidence that 
I'm only looking at a very narrow set of constraints, not the whole picture. Here's a, here's a message I sent to somebody recently who's, you know, and this, this could literally be said to 98, 99% of my patients and, and everybody on the Internet show. Here's hoping that you are shown new levels of the strength and magnificence you possess, which are so evident to many and yet remains mostly obscured from your view. I believe that one of the factors that continues to obscure your view of that strength and magnificence is your insistence on being able to, quote, logic it out, close quotes, or, quote, figure it out in advance, close, or to force things to play out the way your conditioned mind tells you that it, quote, should, close quotes. Please be gentle with yourself. Please breathe. And try to let it in that it will work out in ways that we cannot see or predict in any way. You are a blessing and you are gracing all who know you. Very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Susan uh, is having technical difficulties. I'm sure she might have um, a comment. Um, Were you on the other day when I read the um, the writing from? Joseph Campbell. Was it was it what yesterday or a different day? Yes, it was. <laughs> it yesterday. was one of those. Yeah. It was either yesterday or a different day. <laughs> I don't remember right now, but it was the quote from Nietzsche okay. where Nietzsche said that this idea came to him, what he called the the love of your fate. He said, whatever your fate oh, is, yeah. Yeah. whatever the hell happens, I heard that whatever it is, you say, this is what I need. <laughs> yeah, it I, may look I, like I, a I, wreck, I, I, and as you go through it, it may look painful, and, but try to put the filter on it. Hey, this is an opportunity. This is a challenge. Mm-hmm. If I get through this, I'm going to be a better, stronger, more wise person. Hey, I heard that, and I was loving it to the max the other day, yesterday also. I was like, that is so good, and I didn't get to listen to very much of yesterday's show. I'm like, I'm going to go back with that again for sure. My 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 brother is still here from Canada, and I'm, you know, kind of, anyway, I didn't therefore listen, but, but I listened to that part of it beginning, and it's like whatever is happening is exactly what I need, that's just it's just so <laughs> I so wanna I so feel like that would be so powerful to integrate into my actual conscious being and body and mind and thought. And it, it feels like I can hear it and think, Wow, that's true and then maybe feel into it a little and 
it's it, but it's in in practical unconscious moment to moment happening. It's a far distance yet to go. But well, think about it. You know, to think about the the image that came to me a few years ago, and I shared it on the show of standing in the middle of the Mississippi River, facing upstream and yelling at the water that you want it to go in the other direction. How productive is that going to be? Well, think about it. Every time I get upset about anything that happens, it's the same thing. It's already happened. And I sit there and stomp my feet like some kind of three-year-old having a tantrum, and life is just going to keep going. But if I say, okay, here's this magnificent flow of water, what might I use it for? I can navigate. I can move goods down it. I can maybe take a small portion of it and create some hydroelectric power. Maybe I can you know, use it for fishing or recreation. I mean, and and now I'm not suffering because the water's flowing the way it's flowing. I might actually improve my life from the very flow of water that I was yelling at moments before. Boy, I hope that's landing for somebody. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it is, and uh, yeah, uh, what what comes up along with seeing the power in that is that well, yeah, but what about aren't we? creators aren't we co-creators and you know it's like I, I i start thinking about things like if you had the faith you could move this mountain and and, and oh, okay and of course, all right all right but, but but listen listen it doesn't say if you had this faith you could make it so the mountain never existed <laughs> right there is nothing <laughs> in there is nothing in this that goes against being a co-creator. It's exactly being a co-creator. It's the idea of working with what's already there rather than screaming and stomping and trying to deny its presence or its value. That's the big difference, right? That's, to, to my I way think, of thinking, go ahead, you think I what? I think, Dr. Tim, this is just outside, it's like like I can see almost that when you talk like that, I, I, as you're saying it, I'm scratching a, a chigger bite on my ankle, you know, and I'm thinking, how can I be happy about this or accept this or see it as part of perfect creation and and, and yet, at the same time, I can see that it's my mind is so conditioned, so deeply steeped in only one cell, one way of running brain cell patterns that say that things ought to be the way I think they ought to be, or that that 
that there's good things and not good things and things are better this way or that way or there's an ideal that I'm moving for or I want that that it's like I can barely even comprehend it. It's like that light, if I'm really honest, it's like truthfully, really to believe it, not just say, oh, yeah, I can see that would be good in certain things, which is easy to do, but to say, could I have a mind that embraced all of life just exactly the way it is and then saw my role in that as somehow being a perfectly integrated flow, you know, shifting things in a way that are good, but accepting everything as they are. It's like, my gosh, what would that be like? It would be in a completely different conscious experience. You can see the conditioning behind it, and I... It's like you see a pencil as a pencil because all your life you were told it was a pencil and you write with it and you're supposed to do this with it and that's what it is. You, you've developed such a, a strong construct that when you look out and you see the structure of the pencil, your mind fills in and makes the pencil. I'm, I'm reminded of Michael's talk about the marker. I hold up this marker. How many markers are there? You know, And then he says, well, there's as many minds in here as there are, plus the one that I'm holding, there's that many, I think he says, you know, it's like, but, but every one of those is, is different, but it's, it's there because of the, the mind is conditioned to make that, that, you know, somebody else, a little kid might say, oh, that's a, a beam in the house I'm building, (laughs) you know, and it would be completely that for him. If he hadn't been conditioned, it's a pencil. It's it's just so 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 around this concept, it's the same. It's like to see. I've been so conditioned that life should be a certain way. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. It's just a conditioned pattern of thought. Hmm. And when we have a conditioned pattern of thought and it leads us to negativity, the invitation in this work is to find a way to change that pattern of thought. And if it's been conditioned, it's got a lot of momentum. A lot of different teachers talk about this. Abraham Hicks talks about it, a lot of momentum. There's nothing deep-seated about any of our problems. We just have a lot of momentum for this pattern, and that this way or that way. So the idea is, you're you're talking about you can't even imagine it, right? And that I can barely, yeah. Well, but that's the idea of the uh, the number one pseudo solution for the non-being mind from uh, Dr. Michael Rice. What does that mean? You're trying to figure it out. Right? You want to know, what would it be like if I had this in my mind? Before making the changes in the thought pattern that creates your mind to be the way it is now. So, you know, think about it. You, you, you might remember that I had this, this epiphany that I talked about. I was at Michael Rice's lecture here in, 
in um, the town right down from uh, Crystal Lake. He was here a number of years ago. It was one of the first, one of the first times I, I brought him to town. And you know, the audience of the 55 or 60 people packed in this little room like sardines. And he said, "All right, now at some point in the lecture, I want you to think about some of the worst things that have happened in your life." Everybody groaned. He said, "Don't worry, we're not going to ask for true confessions." And he said, "Now think about one of them that's happened five or more." years in the past and raise your hand if you can see how that thing that you thought was horrible and tragic and catastrophic has led to some directly or indirectly to some of the best things in your life today and every hand in that room went up including mine and it was like this this uh, perception burst this tingle down my spine insight moment and i just kept repeating i don't want to wait five years i don't want to wait five years and i didn't know what it meant and I woke up about two or three days later in the morning with a full-blown, full-body understanding, oh, what this means is if everything that happens that I say is bad or wrong, even the horrible, big, catastrophic things, they end up leading to some of the best things in my life, then even the little things, the little daily irritations, they're going to hold a blessing. They're going to hold a, a redirection. They're, they're going to be something about the way life should be. Now, remember... I was just like you and everybody else on the call. I had never considered this before. I'd been taught in the Western mind, here's how life should be, people should be loving, fairness and respect, and that, 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 all of this good, you know, Catholic school stuff, etc. And it never had occurred to me that whatever happens is okay and it's going to lead to better things than I could imagine. So I began the practice. I had that, that experience in the morning, and I woke up with the realization, oh, I have to start catching the early warning signs that something is wrong in me, this tension, this upset, this resistance, any negative emotion, and just call a timeout and just start asking these questions. I think I started with just three. I wonder how this is going to work out better than I could imagine. I wonder how this holds a blessing, and I wonder how this is going to contain a lesson I need to learn to move forward. I think those were the first three. And then since then, I've added a whole bunch of others like, oh, I wonder how this might lead me to meet some people I never would have met before. I wonder how this is going to give me an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else today, etc. When I first began that, it was an uphill slog through waist-deep mud. I'd end up catching myself after an hour or two of stewing about something that, you know, was like the printer didn't work right or whatever. But eventually, it built momentum because I practiced it almost every single day. And by about the three-year mark, I noticed people were starting to comment and question me about how did you stay so cool in that situation? And it just slowly built. And I have today, I, I still have this kind of thing that happens on a regular basis in my life today. All kinds of things happen that are not what I would want. You know, I paid good money for this. It ought to work, et cetera, and it doesn't work. And I catch myself getting all tight and tense, and I say, okay, take a breath. Soften, breathe, allow. Either there's something I can do differently right now to make this work, or I let this go and I go focus my attention on something else that is working, and this will work out. And even today, 
I still have these moments of upset, but I can tell you with that practice what's happened is, number one, I spend the tiniest fraction of my time throughout the day in the negative emotions because I'm actively catching them in their earliest warning signs, breathing and softening and shifting my, my, my thought process. So I move out of the negative emotions I was creating. And the second thing that, that has been expanding my life in the positive is I have been seeing so many more synchronicities, miracles, little coincidences since doing that practice because I'm not spending time as nearly as much time in the tantrum, in the arguing for my negative emotion. But it's been this gradual building process, this gradual, you know, letting go of the old pattern instead of feeding it, correcting it like a you know, we talk so often in here about, oh, I just heard you say this. What if you said it this way? How, how about if you reprogrammed your mind, experienced this, this way? And then, you know, gradually when I'm reprogramming it to something more positive, and then I'm opening. I'm opening to, okay, I wonder how. And rather than me knowing, because I'm so smart, you know, I've got a doctorate in all this, and I, I know this is wrong, and that's right, and this should happen this way. Rather than arguing for my way, asking to be shown over and over and over again throughout the day, day in and day out, I spend a lot of my time just asking to be shown. What's the blessing here? How can I be a blessing to myself and others? What's the lesson for me in this? I wonder how this is going to work out better than all of these things I had planned for the day, etc., etc. So it isn't like a magic switch, but boy, it's been a powerful process. Well, I'm glad that you heard that call, created that intention, and took that path. <laughs> So that we can hear about it, and well, it's certainly been a blessing to me to follow it. Yeah, that that I, I this is helpful, very helpful. So I think um, I feel satisfied with my conversation at the moment to have a direction of a little more grounding in that idea of how to work towards that path. Uh, All right. Thank you. Well, and we're at the end of our time, so I appreciate the call as always. Oh. Um, okay. we, we we may be having some technical difficulties because Susan Bingham dropped and then texted that she was not able to get back on. There was nothing but a busy signal. So I will mute you so you can listen to the second hour if there is one. Thanks again, Doug, for the call. I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I will hang up, hopefully allowing uh, Michael or Jeannie to get on the call. Blessings. And so I hope that somebody can hear me out there. I've tried to call in under the regular line, keep giving a busy signal. Um, so if somebody is on there and you can hear me, please let me know. And Michael's attempting to dial in as well. I'm not sure what's going on there with Blog Talk. So I'm going to turn on Doug's phone 
and see. Yep, you're here. You're, okay, can awesome. You hear me? I'm, Yes, I can. I'm not sure what was going on there. I tried like four or five times to dial in on the regular line, and it kept giving me a busy. So Michael's trying to dial mm-hmm. in now, too. So we'll see if he gets in. Well, there was a long a long silence, and then suddenly you you came in. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I ended up dialing in on the host line, which is what usually, Michael usually dialed in on. And... Uh, uh-huh. So we'll see if he can get in there. So was your hand up left over from um, Dr. Tim, or did you have a question it was. for today? It was. Oh, okay, yeah, good. I don't right now. Okay, awesome. Well, we will uh, give it just a minute here and see if he can dial in. Okay. And um, Yeah, and we had um, a question, actually, uh, come in that we were going to address first, and then if Julia is on, we were going to uh, continue the worksheet with her. So, thank you for letting me know that I was on. <laughs> sure. <laughs> technology, right? Right. So. It's, it's, it's an incredible miracle when it works. <laughs> oh yeah, it, that's that is so true. So, let me see if he's... Michael, are you able to get in? Hmm. All right, let's see. Julia just responded to me by text. Uh, She's not feeling well, and she'll call in tomorrow. It's really funny. We had um, several people that were in on the... Um, mind shifters and still point breathing on Saturday and I just got off the phone working with one gentleman and he actually was in a healing crisis and to the point that he thought about going to the doctor and uh, Dr. Tim just texted me and said blog talk wouldn't let Susan Bingham on and wouldn't let me call back in as a listener so yeah they've, they've definitely got issues going on today but let me see let me walk in here to the other room and uh, try to, if you can't get in on as a listener, try in. It maybe it'll let us both in as host. Doc, okay, Dr. Tim said, just sent me and said he keeps getting a fast busy signal when he tried to call back in as a listener. So Blog Talk's got some issues. But Doug, it was on leftover from Dr. Tim, and I've got him on the phone now. And he said that... Um, um, he was hearing me just fine. So, and we got a text from Julia, and she is feeling sick today, so she's not going to call in. It's amazing that that two people from the breath workshop that are going through a healing crisis. <laughs> so, and that happens. And, and you, you, well, you you can finish that sentence, Jeannie. It's an important oh, sentence. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, you know, when we go through the breath session, we actually take our vitality to another level. And so if they understand what a healing crisis is versus a disease process, and just going through a powerful (laughs) breath session can kick you in. And, and, you know, like I told the gentleman that I was talking to, I said, you know, he he felt so bad he was going to the doctor this afternoon. And I said, you know, just watch. I said, because you're symptomatic. But it's um, 
you know, part of the process. And if you go and you take, you know, antibiotics or steroids or something to lower your vitality, then, you know, you're going to just have to deal with it again. So realize that you're going through a healing crisis. Your vitality was up so high. And, you know, and I gave him the example of when a few weeks back that I had symptoms of mono that I had from when I was 15. And, you know, it had been real easy to have taken their steroids or, or whatever and, and knock it down, but it's it's there to come back forward. And it seems like it comes forward harder each time until you finally deal with it. <clears throat> now, what were you going to say? What were you going to add to that? And Michael well, is with I, us now, too. <laughs> okay. I... <laughs> Nobody else can get on the show. I can think of some things to talk about, <laughs> and I was just, I was, I was just discussing with with uh, <laughs> with Doctor Tim something, and he was saying about how uh, when we are happening um, as the flow of life, and then try and find the good in them that that's so much better than resisting everything, thinking it should be different all the time, different. Like, and he gave the analogy of standing in the middle of the Mississippi and saying, oh, this water should be going the other way. <laughs> like, uh, as opposed to, well, this is navigable. I could, you know, I could uh, start a logging company with this and, uh, you know, and I could uh, do whatever, something constructive because the river is flowing the way it is. And, and, <laughs> I just remember what the word Satan here. means in Aramaic. What? Remember what the word Satan means in Aramaic. Satan. Satan means going to and fro, back and forth upon the earth. Yes. No, 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 no. The no. definition of Satan in Aramaic is the resistor, one who misleads. Okay. And you watch most people, right. and you invite them to be responsible for what's going on in their lives, and they'll go, no, 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 you don't understand. And their whole structure tightens up from their voice box down, resisting the movement of truth within them. And then they'll hallucinate, <sighs> they'll project, and their mind will tell a whole story about how it's all somebody else's fault that this is happening to me still, or again, or <laughs> whatever it is. That's you're you're adding a whole other layer to it, live. Michael. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, you're creating right? another another. Well, what I was saying to Dr. Tim is to, to get to the place where I can see, accept, and embrace the idea. It, it feels powerful to me, but like, but I can see that my mind is so conditioned already. It's a matter of mental conditioning and the way my whole carbon-based system is designed from you know to think that things should be the way I think they should be or they should be different all the time or to fear in particular in my case how things are going to turn out or what's going to happen that that it's hard to and we were talking about ways to sort of soften that you know hard to get to the place of being able to be able to live that way like okay i'm scratching a trigger bite on my foot well that's okay that what can i learn from that how can i grow from that but you just added another layer into it in my mind which is when you said the resistor and and you said that uh that we're one I mean, who the element here that's is the definition 
Satan is not some dude what? with a red suit of tail and a pitchfork. Satan is, in Aramaic, quote, the resistor, one who misleads. How else does the world live there? One who misleads. And, and, well, resistor and one who misleads, like that, that seems like almost two totally different things to me, and it, it's intriguing. But no, what, I wanted to get same. a point out. Well, okay, you what can explain that to person? me. But let's I want... say, okay, go ahead, go ahead, and let's let's hit what's uh, what's coming up for you. I want to get this thought that when you said what you've said already, it's like I could see that the business of the obstacle to accepting the flow of life and embracing it fully is another layer of that obstacle is our resistance to seeing the pain and the stuff in us and to accepting all of this content that is hidden, that is corrupt data that doesn't want to surface, like Jeannie was talking about healing crisis and so on, in order to embrace everything. And you added the element of responsibility into it, that I have something to do with this. You know, it, it, it's it's like that's a whole nother layer yet over just yeah. saying I accept it and I look to the benefit of it. It's like it's like I recognize that I had a lot to do with it and that accepting it requires Everything. me to look at what's in me that made it this way. Right. Yes. Or my role in it. Yes. I think you're right on. That's it. Re- remember, we're creators. You know, the scriptures give another, still another layer, another piece of direction. And what it says is, look to the lives of the fathers, for ours are but a shadow of theirs upon the earth. These resistance patterns go on generation after generation after generation. That's why there was this story about this whole group of people that got lost for 40 years in the desert. What had to happen to get out of the desert? The old generation had to die off. The word generation is genaria, means cause. The causes held in the mind from generational patterns have to be removed. But to be removed, they have to be embraced. When you ask somebody to embrace truth because they call their lie, no, this is somebody else's fault. That's the second half of Satan. And to me, the two are perfectly consistent. It, it describes the action, and then the result. So when somebody lives in resistance, so you and I know Charlie or Bill, and Bill has been going through this thing with women his whole life long. We're buddies, you know, we're all buddies, and we joke with them about it, we poke them about it, and you laugh about it, and I make a comment, and you make a comment. And it's been going on forever. So you and I decide we're going to confront Bill. And we're going to tag team and see if we can help to get him through that. And so, Bill, you know, we've been talking, and, and one of the things that Doug and I have noticed is that every time you've been through this pattern with women, you've been there, and you're involved. Now, what's Bill going to do? Bill's going to probably go something like this. Wait a minute, you guys. Get off my butt. That's not true. Well, maybe it is, but, but let me tell you about how Mary did that to me. So there's the resistor. Resistance to truth, and then one who misleads. Now he's going to tell you, Satan in him is going to tell you who the problem is, and it's Mary. That's the mislead part of Satan. And most people, as I say, live there. And the, the opposite of that is, and, and you'll notice when Bill's telling us all about how it's Mary's fault, 
Bill is going to be holding his breath, and he's going to be locking the blood flow from his gut, from his legs, from his feet, from his back, from his brain. And he's probably going to go into fear, and that's going to shut blood flow down even further as his autonomic nervous system kicks into sympathetic dominance. He's going to be ready to fight or run. His mind is going to be set to fight. His higher brain functions are going to be shut down because blood flow is shunted to the muscles in order to be able to fight or run. And that's the game. That's where most people on the planet are living. So can I soften? You know, think about the still point breathing that we've done over the years. And what happens when you go into still point breathing? You go into a superconductor state. The structure comes out of resistance and goes into superconductor status. In superconductor status, there's no resistance to the movement of the trauma energy. And you can take something that took years to develop and breathe through it in 30 seconds. Or you can go into a still point and do 10 of those major traumas in a 30-second still point. Because literally, instead of, and I'm talking now, you know, my background in electronics, <clears throat> I'm talking about the concept of resistance. You know, if I have a, let's say you're a mile down the road and you say, Michael, my power has gone out. Can you help me? I say, yeah, gee, you're a mile away. I don't have an extension cord that long, but I've got a 1,000 five-foot extension cords. And so I plug all those extension cords in. I've got it plugged in at my wall, and I check the voltage on the wall, and it's 120 volts. And I go down to your house, and, gee, I measure it, and it's 120 volts. But the minute that you plug the drill in, the resistance in that 5,000 feet of little five-foot extension cords is now huge, and the voltage instantly drops to 40 volts and burns out your, your drill because of the resistance in those cords. Now, if I were to say, oh, Doug, yeah, I have a super, uh, I have a superconductor cord. I'll bring it right down. If I plug that superconductor cord in on this end, it's 120 volts, and down on that end, I can put all the load on it that I want. It's still going to be 120 volts because there's no resistance in the wire. Just look at how people lock the breath down when there's something they don't want to feel and look at. And it literally is creating resistance. And that resistance at the same time cuts oxygen flow, cuts nutrition flow, cuts waste removal, and physiology goes to hell. And as uh, we were sharing yesterday with Julia, you know, the, the Buddhist tradition, for every different thought structure with which people do that to themselves, they have a name for the different kinds of hells that we've created. <laughs> They've got a name for every one of them and a deity for every one of them. And it's nothing more than a way to approach the resistance that's developed within and how to embrace it and move into superconductor status, which one of the keys is to breathe. Is that is that resistance you're talking about? Is that uh, th- these are powerful concepts, super, super, super powerful concepts, and another layer deeper for me again. And it's like so exciting. But but I'm asking is is that resistance that's Is that also like directly directly related to 
not accepting the way things are right now around us. They're, they're somehow interwoven in a way that I need to understand more deeply because it's like, you know, I'm resisting everything. I'm resisting it, so I'm fearing it. I'm 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 upset with it. I'm I'm in. Actually, you're probably fearing it, so you're resisting it. It's probably the other way around. The fear came before the resistance. If there wasn't fear about it, there wouldn't be resistance. Okay. I'm fearing it. Well, why am I it. fearing it? Why is that there? Why Why because do I? Thought, I'm fearing it because, because I don't. Have a I think disorder. it should be different. I think well, it should be different than I'd it offer, is. I don't accept it. Yeah. Well, my offering would be that thinking it should be different and I don't accept it is trying to figure it out. And that will never work. My offering is that at the root of the fear is a thought disorder, probably generational, probably instilled by a power person. And when you are able to let go of the resistance fully, the structure will open up and you'll be able to access the underlying thought disorder that creates the fear and the resistance. And when I'm talking about resistance, I'm like I'm using the concept of an electric cord because we know that yeah. energy doesn't flow through, you know, a little small five-foot extension cord can't carry much energy flow. If I go out and I get yes. myself a nice, big, heavy-duty uh, uh, 220 stove connector, man, that sucker, there's no reason. That'll carry tons and tons and tons of energy. In exactly the same way, when people lock the breath down, they're literally shutting down the energy flow. The same resistance that we're talking about is now physiological, and it's literally stopping the movement of energy the same way that resistance in a piece of wire can stop the movement of energy in a cord, or the same wire wrapped around a motor can make a drill work when the energy moves through it. And there's got to be resistance there to make it work. Am I not resisting? I'm resisting everything that I that I don't accept as well, right? That's a condition of resistance. Like I, I shouldn't have this chigger bite on my foot. I'm resisting what is. Am I not? Well, I think there's maybe a bit of a danger in that. And for me, the danger okay. would be. I just have to accept everything. So if my brother comes over with a whip and wants to whip me, I have to accept it. No, I don't have to accept it. And I don't have to be in resistance about it. I can do something about it. I can take action. And if there's no fear in me about my brother whipping me, then my mind is going to stay connected to love, and I'll be able to do something, the highest and best possible behavior to change that. So I don't need to accept that my brother wants to whip me and I just need to lay down and take it. But if there's some sort of trauma in me that has me functioning out of hostility or fear toward my brother, then I'm going to get another learning lesson, another learning opportunity. If I'm in a superconductor state and I'm breathing and I'm connected to love, I'm going to have the highest and best guidance, the highest and best input in my mind to deal with what's happening with my brother. So I don't have to accept it. In a sense, it's maybe acceptance, but I, I don't have to accept the insanities that are going on in order to. I can take always action take action, change. Michael. Yes. I can always take action, but, but if I but, take but action if out I'm of hostility thinking... or fear, I'm in trouble. 
Right. I want to if take I it take out of love. If I'm thinking my brother should be different, I need him to be different, and 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 he's his the way he well, is is causing me this problem. Well, of course, that's denial. Every you know, goal, every goal, is... everything I think should be different than it is is a goal, right? Or involves a goal. This, this, yes, it's going to involve a goal. That's why the goal, the key way to forgiveness is goals. And, and when I cancel the goal, I stop resisting the thing. I, 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 I accept it. It doesn't mean I can't take any action, but I accept it as it is. I stop thinking it should be different, right? Not necessarily, no. Again, I may have my brother's hand with the whip coming down on me. I may have a grip on it and holding on to it, and I'm in fear, and I cancel my goal for my brother to treat me lovingly, gently, and with respect, and I take a breath and I have a new surge of energy and a new surge of power, I'm still willing for him and hold the goal for him to treat me lovingly, gently, and with respect. I might cancel the goal to collapse into and deal with my fear, but then when I've done that and love is restored, my arm is going to be a whole lot stronger to be able to hold that brother's hand back. I still don't have to go along with or accept the fact that he's going to whip me. I don't have to accept that. Well, what I'm suggesting is that I, to the next level, not the action. I, I'm, I'm splitting hair. I'm just trying to turn through in my brain as you're trying to help me yeah. explain it, deeper, cool. deeper layers. But, you know, like he, I want him, if I say, my brother's crazy and he's hostile and I want him to be a loving person on the planet. I want him to, I want him to act differently. Now, now I have a goal. That's a goal for him. And I don't accept him like he is. It's like, like I don't accept this as there's no value in this at all, but, but there is value in a way there's, I'm just, again, trying to sort this out. I don't have the answers. Here's how I'd sort that one out. It's a, it's a forgiveness experience. There's going to be a forgiveness He's giving me an opportunity. Requirement. Go ahead. Well, he's given me an opportunity to heal and to surface in me what's, you know, everything, including my, my fear, my lack of ability to, to, to make a change or to hold my hand up to stop him or, you know, whatever that is. It's like I need to be able to... Uh, there's some value. This was this was the point that I understood at least. I don't know my understanding. What we were discussing with Dr. Tim was that 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 if I accept that the river is flowing this direction, you know, and, and my brother's coming at me in this way. I don't have to be a victim to that. I don't have to say, well, you know, go ahead and whip me. But but I but 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 if I accept if I if I'm saying he needs to be different i'm not accepting inside him that he needs to be different i'm not accepting what is around me i i'm i'm in resistance to accepting the way things are like if i stand in the river and i say i want the river to flow up i want it to go north yeah it's, it's like i lose all opportunity to cooperate with the river as a navigation tool for getting things to new orleans is something like that. In the case of my brother, in that well, case, it's like I, I, I lose the opportunity to see the healing I need to do. Uh, something I don't know. So I'm just so churning in it. My my take would my take would be this: you're confusing acceptance 
with experiencing what's happening in your world from the space of love. Yeshua, when they said, you know, what's most important in the law, Yeshua didn't say, if your brother's coming at you with a whip, just accept it. He didn't say that. What he said was, have Rachma. And Rachma is say. this gateway that keeps yes. the energy of love flowing in and through me in this experience. Rachma is the gateway that keeps in the my energy mind, of love that in my mind. My human life. Gateway in my mind. That keeps my human life, my human life moving in my structure. When that gateway closes and it's closed by hostility or fear, the active presence of love is excluded. The next impact that it has is that when that gateway closed, it's closed by either hostility or fear. So now, the, and, and that's, Rachma is a filter. The second function is it's a filter over intentions. And there are three filters. There's hostility, there's fear, and there's Rachma. Only one can be active at a time. If hostility is right. active, then the quality of intentions that my mind is going to have in order to formulate my goals is going to be destructive. If fear is active, the quality of intentions that are going to be available to my mind to form my goals are going to be negative. If Rachma is active, the quality of intentions that are going to be available for my mind to form my goals in love. That's number one order of business. So two things I accomplish. I maintain my human life, and I maintain intentions keyed to love so that my goals are keyed to love. So I don't have to be, you know, my brother's coming, cancel the thought again, my brother's coming at me with a whiff. I don't have to be in hostility and destructive and smash him in the face. Or I don't have to be negative. Oh, well, I guess I deserve it. He's, I have to accept it. He's just going to beat me up. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. But from love, I can, I have the highest and best guidance, intelligence, and contact with the world around me to know what I can best do to deal with what's happening here. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, perfectly. I, I, it's like I can I can understand I can understand certain tracks through this territory, and then and then I'm trying to put the whole territory together, and that's where I start having. You know, it's like that's where my edge of growth is. It's like how do I put it all together, you know, and... Well, remember, if you, if you go back to the uh, Cody Pence Intensive, when we got into the list of the pseudo-solutions of the non-being mind, the number one pseudo-solution is if I could just <laughs> figure this out. My friend, you can't figure it out, but when you're in the middle of, you know... When you're in the middle of the swamp and you want to remember the objective was to drain the swamp and the alligators are right up your butt, that's where you want to have Rachma. Let, that's this, where you want to be connected to, to love. Go yeah, for it. when they're all around you. In my conversation with Dr. Tim, he was mentioning that in a talk that you gave, uh, that he attended one of the early ones when he brought you to wherever he brought you, brought you, you, you said to 
and right, I'm, and I've heard Chicago. you say you've said it many times that you said mm-hmm. to the audience, how many of you can think of something that happened in beyond five years ago that you thought was terrible at the time it happened that you now right. see was a blessing in your life? Yes. And 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 that was as an example of how we don't have enough information to be going about judging the way things are and thinking they should be different all the time. And when we do that, we are blocking the flow of life and opportunity. You know, we're and it's Rachma. It's Rachma that delivers that. Not going, oh well, I just have to accept my brother's going to whip me. It's the presence of Rachma that will deliver. I don't have to wait for twenty years to look back and go, oh, that was actually a gift that was given to me. Right here, right now, if Rockman is present, I'll make highest and best use, and I'll be able to see what the gift is. And I'll have the highest possible guidance in terms of the behavior that I'm going to do in concert with or in response to my brother. That's, that's good. Uh, that statement, that, that series of sentences right there, very powerful for me. Good. Yeah, that, that sort of putting it all together. We were doing an intensive in a kind of a remote area in Florida back several years ago, and there was a gentleman who came to the to the intensive, and he was a runner, and every morning before breakfast, he'd get up and run. And he'd come back one morning, and he was just covered in sweat, and he was really like, you know, looked like he'd been through the mill. And he'd gone down a road, you know, we're, we're kind of out in the boonies in, in Florida, and he'd gone down a road, and then down another road, and down another road, and all of a sudden, there's this... I forget what kind of a dog it was, but a big, mean-looking dog. And it just is tearing after him like it's going to tear him to shreds. And we had been doing love exchange experience in the intensive. And instead of, instead of turning to run, he had enough presence of mind to just go to that space, connect to that space of love. And the dog stopped on a dime, he said. It was just like, you know, miraculous that this dog just you know, stopped snarling, snapping like it was going to tear him to pieces, and, you know, like, just stopped. And he turned, he, he shared this after the experience, he turned and started to walk away, and up came the fear again, and the dog started again. And once again, he consciously, purposely went to that connected space of love, and the dog stopped. It's attack. Everything that you need in your world will be delivered by Rachna in your mind. And you can count on that. And, of course, part and parcel of that is the breath is going to move. Everything. <clears throat> Everything you need in your world is going to be delivered by a rock in your mind, and your breath is going to, be, and your breath is going to move. Is that, yes. is that correct as one statement? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and the breath, when the breath is moving, there's no, no resistance. If the breath is fully freely moving, then there's no resistance. That's the superconductor state ultimately produced, and why when I created the still point breathing process, I called it still point, because the the ultimate of the superconductor state, where things start to move at like super high speed fast forward, is when the breath, not as being held but spontaneously stops. That's how it became named Still Point. Okay, I want to write that statement down. I want everything, everything in your life 
if I'm, I'm saying it wrong, correct me, in your life that you need? Everything that you want, that you need or want, yeah. It's going to be delivered by the presence of Brahma in your mind. Another way to say it, there's a, a much better teacher than I who said it you know, a little differently about 2,000 years ago, and he said, seek ye first. Well, that was called the coming kingdom of heaven, or the, the Greek mistranslation. In Aramaic, it's the community of seek ye first, the presence or the community of love. And then all, everything else starts to fall in line. Okay, I'm going to write that down as an extension of this, but, but we also had something about breath in there. Everything you need would be delivered yes. by rocking in your mind and, and your breath. And in that space, the breath will move freely throughout your structure. That means Rukha de Kudja will be freely moving. And remember, Rukha de Kudja in Aramaic is she, feminine elemental force, will undo the effects of your errors and teach you the truth. So you'll even get to know what it is you've been trying to figure out. But you can't figure it out with your head. Rachma, the movement of breath, Rukha de Kutcha, and you will hand you everything you need. That's so, so powerful. So powerful. Just pulling all that information together in this one statement to me is just like, it's just... <laughs> well, thank you for facilitating it because I agree with you. It is a new clarification. Thank you. Uh, I I feel like I'm I I, I honestly I'm 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 trying to figure out how to put forward. I've been thinking about it for a long time. What kind of work I would want to do to support people, and this this right here is like the the most at this moment at least it seems like the most perfect route of expressing that. Um. That's why I've been on it for the last 50 years plus. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. To me, it's like, what else is there to do? Once you realize it's there, what else is there to do? And when there are people in the world who don't have it, what else is there to do but deliver it? That's been my motivator <sighs> for a long, long time, long before my kids were born. But then, and I can remember when... I caught my son as he was being delivered at home, 1979. And I caught him, held him, and I can remember the thought occurring to me. And this was what took me to a new level of commitment in the work. And my thought was, if something doesn't change in the world, there isn't going to be a world for this boy to grow up in. And this work is what I developed as what I was going to do about it. So that's, that's what motivated you when you caught your son, to have that clarity of, that was, of what you wanted to do. That was a new level that had of motivation, a lot. yes. A new whole level. new level of motivation. I mean, I was motivated prior to that. I've been doing this work for many years prior to that. 
But that was a whole new level of motivation. This statement, Rika will undo. Rika will undo the effect. That one, I, I need to get that down. Right. So the Aramaic definition of what the Greeks called the Holy Spirit, and there's nothing in there about a disembodied spirit being. What the Greeks called right. the Holy Spirit is Ruka de Kutcha, and it's by definition, it's a feminine elemental force. So she, one who undoes the effects of yours. And two, we'll teach you the truth. So undoes the effects of yours means that, let's say you're trapped in a generational pattern that's been going on for a hundred generations in your bloodline. It's traumatized every generation between you and a hundred generations back, let's say in a particular arena, whatever, finances or relationships or whatever. And you open the space in the presence of pure being, pure love, and process whatever that is, Rukutikudja, here's the kind of omnipresent power that's there, can reach back through all of the lives in that hundred generations, which is billions, and let loose of the energy from them if they're still carrying it, dead or alive and loose that energy from the future generations. Undoes the effects of our errors, can, can reach into. If the effect of your error was something that happened two years ago, and, you know, when you were in the grocery store, and bingo, this terrible thing, whatever, those energetic patterns will be loosed. That's the omnipresence of that, what was called God's spirit, but is really the breath. And then, if you can let your resistant mind go long enough, trying to figure it out, well, what, well, what about, well, well, maybe I could, well, I could, well, I could, well, let me, well, well, I could, well, if I can let go of that, and I'm, I've got ears on, and I'm willing to listen, then that elemental force in me is going to explain to me exactly what I need and exactly what I need to understand. Yes. And I'm looking for a quote. Uh, Let me see if I can find it. I just ran across this quote. About a week ago, somebody posted on my Facebook page. Just looking to see if I can come up with it here. Because it speaks from a whole different place to me. Give me just one second here. Let me see if I can come up with this.
the last part of this one statement while you're looking, I think you can probably multitask this. It uh-huh. will explain to you exactly what you, it will explain to you exactly what you need and exactly what you need to understand. So I have that right. Yep. Okay. I'm not finding it. I did come across one, uh, an Apache saying, it says, even your silence holds a sort of prayer. But I'll, f- I'll find that quote and I'll send it to you. Okay, great. Would, 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 it, would it be faith that has something to do with us bridging that gap? It will explain to you exactly what you need and exactly what you need to understand. And having faith uh, is 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 part of my t- my take would allowing be that faith to would function. be the door opener it, yeah, it's the door like, opener. okay so this so this is the way it is terrible awful evil nasty ugly wicked oh it's so terrible but there's a part of my mind that has room for there is something that can change this and that's the gateway to me, that would be the opening called faith that will allow that change to occur. Does that make sense? Yes. So, so faith is the door opener for the for for the part of my mind that has room, or there is something here that can change, right? Yes. Yeah, in those worst moments, or in those most, the deepest delusions. Can I trust that there's something higher possible? Go for it. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> breathing just, with you. Yeah, I'm just yumming it up here. This is, this is, this is <laughs> the, the the relationship between here breath and rock and faith and. Well, Opening the breath of Rukka, the Kutcha. Yeah, the link is the breath is literally Rukka de Kutcha. You know, and, and you go back into the Greek translation of the scriptures and we hear the, them saying, God sent out his breath. It doesn't say that. It says, or, or pardon me, it says God sent out his spirit. It doesn't say that. It says God sent out his breath, Rukka de Kutcha.
Sannyas, the relationship between faith, breath, and Rukha Dikutsha. It, it's just, it's like there's so much rich richness in there. And softening and accepting, um, and accepting and being guided, all of that. Just, just, just seeing all of those kind of tied into one another here is, is uh, pretty cool, I think. Yeah, another way to uh, to look at that Ruka um, Dikucha in terms of you know the, the brain cells we have in this particular culture would be a super processor. You know, in the computer world. Yes. So that would be Rukhita yeah. Kutcha. That that's elemental force can move beyond anything we could even start to conceive of. That's that's a that's a def- definition that I've had a long time. Um There's just so much here for me in terms of integrating all of these together. You know, faith is the door opener for the part of mind that has room for something here to change. And 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 Rukha Dikutcha, when you have Rakma, then you're more likely to have Rukha. You're open to Rukha, right? And, and then when yes. you have that, you breathe. And when you breathe, you drop your resistance. And when you drop your resistance, you um, you you drop your resistance, and you're moving away from Satan. Uh, and the resistor, and you're moving away from dece- deception as well, because Rukha then informs you of everything. You need to know. Yes. So I found a quote on uh, silence from Native Americans, and it says, We Indians know about silence. We are not afraid of it. In fact, for us, silence is more powerful than words. Our elders were trained in the ways of silence, and they handed over this knowledge to us. Observe, listen, and then act, they would tell us. That was the manner of living. With you, and now he's talking to the white man, it is just the opposite. You learn by talking. You reward the children that talk the most at school. In your parties, you all try to talk at the same time. In your work, you're always having meetings in which everybody interrupts everybody and all talk five, ten, or a hundred times. And you call that solving a problem. When you're in a room and there is silence, you get nervous. You must fill the space with sounds. So you talk compulsively, even before you know what you're going to say. White people love to discuss. They don't even allow the other person to finish a sentence. They always interrupt. For us Indians, this looks like bad manners or even stupidity. If you start talking, I'm not going to interrupt you. I will listen. Maybe I'll stop listening if I don't like what you're saying, but I won't interrupt you. 
When you finish speaking, I'll make up my mind about what you said, but I will not tell you I disagree unless it is important. Otherwise, I'll just keep quiet and I'll go away. Told me all that I need to know. There's no more to be said. But this is not enough for the majority of white people. People should regard their words as seeds. They should sow them and then allow them to grow in silence. Our elders taught us that the earth is always talking to us, and we should keep silent in order to hear. There are many voices besides ours. Many voices. And the attribution of that piece is from someone named Ella Deloria. I don't know whether that's the person who wrote it, the Native American who wrote it, or whether it's uh, someone who just posted it. But. but when I read that, I thought it was pretty profound, and it certainly fits here in the conversation. It does. It sure does. It it embodies, you know, the the idea of and if we are listening and if we have Rachma in our mind and we open to Rukh at the Kutcher, then we will be hearing many voices. We'll be hearing many yes. uh, many things that guide us and help us and support us and teach us. And yeah. teach us something the truth other than carbon and move us. Right. Right. Something right. something other right. than perception. Right. Constructs based in what's stored in carbon based memory from the past and is just a reorganization or a reshuffling of the past. David Bohm, who's a physicist, had a powerful saying. He said, most people say they're thinking, but what they're really doing is just rearranging their prejudices. Which I thought was a pretty profound insight. Indeed. And when you notice... If your breath is being held, if you just pay attention to your physiology and where the tension point is, that's where the resistance is. That's where the energy stored in carbon-based memory that needs to be processed, it needs to be brought to the presence of love. That needs to be open in the presence of Rahman. And when whatever that is, is opened because the breath goes there, then whatever's stored, no matter how many generations it's been going on, is going to be transmuted by the presence of active love. It doesn't matter what it is. It's the most terrible disasters of experiences. Breathing in the presence of love will transmute whatever's off base about it. So I breathe with you.
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so any other thoughts for you, good sir? Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna invite looking at what it is that a little more. What it is that uh, gets in the way of our doing that. You know, I guess it's the the noise of our non-being mind. The past, the, yeah. The, the past. The past. You know, remember that passage where there's a man who's walking with Yeshua and he's like, and I got it. I'm on your team. I'm going to do this. I'm coming, man. But first I need to go bury my father and my mother. That was kind of an idiom in that Jewish culture. Oh, my gosh. He had to be the oldest son. And the oldest son, it was their responsibility to take care of parents, aging parents, and, and to bury them. So the guy might have been gone for 20 or 30 or 50 years. Who knows? And Yeshua says, let the dead bury the dead. Let the blind lead the blind. If you're going to do it, now's the time. Like, this is it. This is the opening. There's no, oh, I'll do it at some time in the future. It's like, this is where the, the rubber hits the road. All right, that's good. Wonderful. Thank you, Michael. That was that was that was a lot of delightful fun and growth. <laughs> Absolutely delighted. Here's another interesting thing is how we're on this topic of, of being in silence. There's another interesting quote I came across as I was searching for that one. And this comes from Lakota Sioux. Silence was meaningful with the Lakota and is granting a space of silence to the speech maker and his own moment of silence before talking was done in the practice of true politeness and regardful of rule that thought comes before speech. Also, in the midst of sorrow, sickness, death, or misfortune of any kind, and in the presence of the notable and great, silence was a mark of respect. More powerful than words, was silence with the Dakota, pardon me, with the Lakota. And the strict observance of this tenant of good behavior was the reason, no doubt, for his being given another felicitous characterization by the white man of being a stoic. He has been adjudged dumb, stupid, indifferent, or unfeeling. As a matter of truth, the Native American was the most sympathetic of men, but his emotions of depth and sincerity were tempered with control. Silence meant to the Lakota what it meant to Disraeli when he said, quote, Silence is the mother of truth. 
for the silent man was ever to be trusted, while the man with ever ready speech was never to be taken seriously. Mm. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and it's interesting, the Lakota Sioux language is Aramaic. Wow. There are many words in the Lakota Sioux language that are identical to the Aramaic. Hmm. Hmm. Awesome. That's all I can say. Yum. I'm with you. <laughs> Just let that sink in and penetrate all the cells and shift the carbon-based memory and and become the guidance system for life. <laughs> joining with you, my friend. Thank you. All right. Yes, joining with you. All right. You have a blessed one. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings.